BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, everybody, stop talking about movies. We're back. <laughs> no movie talk, huh, D? Your Ben Jarofsky yeah, show. Right. Hour number two for Wednesday, January 15th. It's just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, January 15th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. Our good friend Samina Mustafa is back, and we're going to be talking all things last night's debate. And we welcome Jackie Algie of SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. I'm so excited about having Samina Mustafa on the show. She's really one of the smart minds in Chicago on national politics. Uh, and people go, where's Latissa? Usually yeah. Latissa Wallace comes on. <laughs> where's Latissa? Latissa texted me. She couldn't make it. She had yeah. some uh, previous engagement or something. Miss you, Latissa. Yeah, so uh, next time uh, Latissa will be here. Do you got an update before I uh, pick uh, Samina's brain? Latissa, Latissa, <laughs> we miss you. Yeah, we, we miss, miss you. <laughs> all right, we're talking all things last night's debate. Who won? Who lost? Who's Tom Steyer? Uh, so many questions, and we're going to try and answer them. Uh, I don't know who won or who lost, but I tell you who I think maybe lost. CNN. Good Lord, CNN is getting trashed on Twitter. <laughs> CNN is trash. has been trending all day. All day. CNN is trash. has been trending all throughout Twitter. I'll read a few of these uh, okay. tweets that people have been uh, uh, putting here. Uh, like uh, this guy, Robert. Robert. We have no clue who Robert is. Robert put the hashtag CNN is trash and put, typically I wouldn't watch hashtag CNN is garbage or hashtag CNN is trash or anything. <laughs> Any of those hashtags. I've been watching CNN on a regular or weekly basis at least for a long time now, and I didn't watch the debate last night. But after reading and watching videos, it seems like CNN had a bad night. That was one of the nicest, nicer ones uh, that's going around Twitter. Uh, so many people. CNN is trash. Ben, I'll throw the question to you. Is CNN trash? Well, I was actually going to throw that question at Samina. Uh, I, you know, how do I put this? These debates are all kind of the same in my mind, Samina. Uh, the way the questions are framed, uh, where they come from, uh, the the role that the the reporters or whatever they are personalities play is that of somebody from the right. So they're always questioning the Democrats as though can is 
are you electables essentially what they're saying like for instance when they talk about foreign policy how can you protect our people from isis is like a foreign policy question Um, i'm thinking what control does any freaking president have over isis you know what i'm saying i just going on and on i'm like but but that's how they frame it they frame it like we should be scared at the thought that you would replace our powerful leader in chief as what has he done to protect us against anybody anyway that's just me riffing what's your yeah no no i think and as if you and I have talked and, you know, as we've recapped these debates now for what it seems like 10 years, <laughs> um, uh, there there is a conceit, which is always and there's that tension that the moderators always are always trying to create. So they either want, again, as you said, sort of use Republican talking points to frame everything, whether it's healthcare, military, anything. And then. They want the candidates to go at each other. So they set they set up fights every single time. This is consistent, and they did it yesterday. And I, I, I was saying to you earlier on the phone that, you know, this debate, being a smaller field, had, there was, a, and, you know, two hours, which is, I think, is more than enough time, there was an opportunity to make it really substantive. But they, you know, as I think I said, Wolf is, Wolf is going to blitz. <laughs> and so that's what they did. They just, they created this, this, um, this tension, this, this chaos. And really, you didn't, you, and the one issue that they consistently um, are arguing bad faith is health care. And there's never been a really good conversation or policy debate on healthcare because it's always a sort of, uh, how are you gonna pay for it? And as people rightfully point out, whenever they ask about, you know, whether it's foreign policy, any anything to do with defense spending, there's never, that question never comes up. The question never comes up. So um, I I just think that these are, you know, there's a there's a real problem, and this is the issue with, and the, you're going to probably see next to see in trash corporate media hashtag, you know, corporate media is trash, mainstream media or something to that effect. I mean, they're all getting advertising dollars yeah. from from those companies, the drug companies and the insurance companies and hospital systems, and let's be clear, defense contractors on all the Sunday talk shows. So, Samina, it's the national equivalent of the local debate, which I write about all the time, and that goes like this. When the teachers union goes on strike asking for more resources to be dedicated to nurses and social workers, everyone in Chicago turns into a CPA. The powers that be in Chicago are some of the CPAs as they scrutinize the budget. How many nickels and dimes will nurses cost for some poor black kid in a school? But when Amazon wants to come to town with its big paw out for a handout to build some uh, office building in the North Loop, money is no limit. Right. You know, we don't still even know the the details of the contract that Mayor Rahm and uh, Governor Rauner offered to Amazon. It's the same thing. When Bernie or Elizabeth Warren kind of pulled away from the debate, that's something we should talk about. It's almost like she feels... She's been intimidated on this issue. Mm-hmm. But when Elizabeth Warren or Bernie in the past have uh, presented their neat position on health care for all immediately, how are you going to pay for it? And Biden, and Klobuchar, and, and uh, Buttigieg, they all come at him on that issue. It's- right. And, and I think this is where I think Bernie and Warren could have done a better job is, is really push back on 
and, and I think Bernie might have said it at some point, and the numbers, you know, change, you know, have sort of, I, there's not anywhere between 30 and 45,000 people die a year because they don't have health insurance. And that's not in, that's not reflecting even you know the people who are underinsured and maybe deferring uh, healthcare um, or drugs. And so, you know, it's it's with their sort of false narrative, you can push back and say, well, how many deaths do you want to be responsible for? I mean, there's a way to do it and push back hard, and and they kind of never go there. But um, and so, but I think again. The conceit of these debates is is always, you know, the progressives versus the centrists, and somehow Biden always, I, I, he always is sort of unfocused and and says things that sound bizarre, <laughs> and nobody follows up, and and I also noticed that he didn't get cut off. He also did something he did actually in the very first debate, which is he cut himself off. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because he frankly doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> well, no, no, it came out uh, a week or two ago that he's a stutterer, and so. He starts things and he has to compose himself. This is why he speaks so slowly and what have you, because otherwise he'd be talking talking like this. And he doesn't want to do that, so he's doing that. I think, well, and and, and, um, Bernie did. But that doesn't affect how substantive his response can be. Yeah, I know, I know. But there was not a lot of substance going on last night at all. And it really frustrated me because rather than argue over how much health care is going to cost or how many people it's going to kind of deal with, because there's a dime's worth of difference between the candidates that were up there on that stage overall. Every last one of them should have bridged from whatever the question was to Trump, and they should have spent that time attacking Trump and whatever the question was saying, but this is how Trump has done it, and this is the damage is done, or this is the campaign promise he did not make. They all should have been doing that instead of trying to distinguish um, who was uh, half an inch taller than who in, in the crowd. I think they should, some, some candidates did that, um, but again, the setups from the moderators were very much about Democrats fighting Democrats because yeah. that's, yeah, that's what they yeah, want. But, but see, a, 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 yeah, a good a, candidate, a, a good candidate, somebody right. worthy of, of, of leading right. our country, would bridge from that. Absolutely, because you, know, like, you, you, um, you could ask me, um, or did you quit beating your wife last night or something? You know, and, and um, my answer was never did. However, I think that. Um, Women should 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 have better um, centers for those who are beaten by their husbands. I mean, you can yeah. I mean, there's a pivot. That. Yeah, yeah you, you, you get you get coached from that. Yeah, yeah exactly. you get coached. And they should have done that. Every last one of them. I mean, um, <clears throat> first of all, I don't think Iowa was going to count that much um, in in terms of who becomes president or who doesn't. Um, we're going to now, I think it's all shifting to Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And when Bloomberg comes in with all his money, and um, and I, I think we got a different dynamic going on this year. We'll see. So, I mean, before I let this point drop, uh, if we move on to other things, do you think 
that CNN is any worse than any of the other networks uh, that have hosted debates or any of the other news operations. I mean, everybody's trashing CNN today, and I'm just wondering, in your opinion, you've, but thanks to me, you've dutifully watched every single debate, <laughs> uh, and I thank you for that. But yeah. uh, do you think CNN's any worse? So um, it, I will say I was shocked at how bad the PBS uh, news hour was in between breaks, how terrible their sort of commentary was. I didn't think anyone could be worse than MSNBC or CNN, and they proved me wrong. So they, I thought that was, was quite bad. One other thing I want to say more globally, mm-hmm. kind of stepping back from the CNN and the, sort of the, the, the cage match that CNN set up, is that Let's remember, there was not a single candidate of color on this stage. They did not, um, if I, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall a substantive conversation on immigration, None. on reproductive choice. I mean, I, I, was there something on criminal justice? I mean, like, oh. there's, like did I miss that one? No, no, right. No, you're right. But the, but the thing that amazes me most is that the story about um, Parnas and Giuliani uh, and the mem- the memos and emails that they had that were broke last night was not questioned. It was not well, discussed at okay. all. So here's here's my th- thinking about all this and get your reaction. The moderators for every single network, that's why I say CNN is no better or worse than them, uh, have all worked from the assumption that every Democrat agrees with what uh, Samina is going to say about women's choice, let's say, okay? But the election will turn on whether Trump voters in Michigan will flip to a Democrat. So they don't even bring up abortion. It's like the issue doesn't exist because that's not going to be the issue in their humble opinion that will get a Trump voter to flip. Or will that they want to... Um, confront the concerns that they think a Trump voter would have over foreign policy. Will we be safer? Yes. With, and, and that's that's the underlying that's, bias. And that's, that, that, the, that's the fallacy, because the Trump voters are not going to flip. No, exactly. They're not going to flip. So what the Democrat, Democrats need to be doing is going out and talking to um, black people in particular, other minorities, encouraging more of them to show up. Because Trump wouldn't be president today if African-Americans in Detroit, in Philadelphia, and in Milwaukee showed up in the numbers that they showed up for Obama. That is, he wouldn't have won those, those, those electoral college votes. And so Hillary would have been president. Mm-hmm. They need to bring out their people that are there, that, that are with them that support them instead of um, chasing the ever-elusive um, white man. Well, the closest thing we got to this issue last night was when, I can't remember which moderator, which questioner, asked uh, Mayor Pete to address the fact that he has such small support among black voters. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> That was it. That's the closest they got to yeah. dealing with this. Yeah, and to, to dovetail of what Monroe was saying, yes, absolutely, talking to the base, bringing up these issues reminds 
uh, voters who are the natural Democratic base that won these uh, these vote that these candidates care about it. And if there is any nuance or difference amongst those uh, candidates, where it is, if if it's if it's anywhere. So it really is reminding. Yes, we care about this, and here's what we're going to do about it. Because here's we're in 2020. We've had seven years post Shelby versus Holder. 34 states have voter ID laws. 34 states. Talk about Shelby versus Holder. Just so that's the out. Supreme Court case where basically, um, I think it was Justice John Roberts who basically yeah. <laughs> destroyed uh, the voting rights protection mm-hmm. and yeah. that we had. So it was like, you know, I th- again, I'm not an attorney, but it basically took away the federal oversight and from, to this, from the discriminatory states. Yeah. So if the you have a have if you have a history, yeah. yeah right, if exactly. you have a history of, of discriminating um, uh, based on race, then you will be uh, the Justice Department will actually be over your shoulder, and you can't just change the laws willy nilly. Yeah. Well, just, that, that treat, treat you like a black woman, see, in, in, and that opened the floodgates. In, in, in and and Wisconsin, is, Wisconsin's a perfect example of that. Yeah, Think about exactly. how they just, um, you know, that there was a, a a court decision that just came out in the last, uh, I want to say, twenty four to forty eight hours that uh, actually stopped that voter purge in Wisconsin, yeah. and it, so it looks like it's not going to go through in this cycle. But that doesn't mean there aren't barriers to voting in Wisconsin. It won't right. wait. Time out. Uh, I've not so read that the purge, details. The purge that it's about two hundred thousand voters. Two hundred thousand voters kicked the, off the the rolls. Yeah. It's kicked off the rolls. So I mean, so again, going to your point, you know that yes, you have to. I agree with Monroe. You have to animate your base instead of trying to flip those five, you know, Trump, uh, Obama, Trump voters. This this mythological unicorn right. <laughs> that they keep going after, right. and and so th- that's there's that, and so that's why you cover those things. But again, you know, reporters and and the moderators of these debates like to create tension, yeah. and that is what they're they're there for. But again. That's not what what animates the base. Now, at some point, I think there were a couple of different candidates that did do what uh, Monroe said, that they pivoted, or they tried to say, you know, these are the things that I'm hearing. You know, like Amy Klobuchar <laughs> always has kind of a hokey little anecdote that she likes to throw <laughs> in. Um, but, I mean, like, sometimes we just have to remind people, like, yes, you've, you've actually spent some time in Iowa or talked to a voter or two. So, I mean, not everybody does it as elegantly as, as, as some others. But it, it, that's what you have to remind people. Yes, we hear you. We're, we're doing the work. We're spending the time. Um, and so, like... Conversations about foreign policy tend to be really just gotcha moments. Like yeah. ah, you said, you you said this, and it's it's they're gonna they're gonna be played over and over again in either a Trump commercial, a GOP super PAC commercial. I mean, it, and again, it is a false narrative. Trump has no idea what he's doing on foreign policy. Zero. He has no idea what he is doing. The State Department is gutted. I mean, you have you have and and, and even DOD doesn't even seem to want to like the the jingoists are like hold up, it, which is kind of insane. But if you looked at when um, you know tr- all these shenanigans, I think like defense stocks went through the roof, and it this is they're having a field day. You've got record military budgets. This is not an anti-war president, okay? So, like, let's, that that whole Maureen Dow, Donald the Dove, Hillary the Hawk. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hillary is hawkish. Donald is not a dove. Let's be clear. Yeah. Like, but guess what? Going to war 
is bipartisan. You, you know, expanding military budgets is bipartisan. Um, and I, I can't remember which of uh, the moderators asked it, but they asked about uh, asked Biden about the fact that um, he didn't. They didn't go to Congress when they did uh, actions, and then he, Biden, used the <laughs> authorization to use military yeah. force, which. Famously, Barbara Lee was the sole vote against that. Right. That Barbara Bernie Lee. Sanders. Bernie Sanders keeps reminding us, and I think he's he's trying to kiss up to her to get that endorsement. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, like, let's be clear that is it is bipartisan obsession and, and, with and, going and, to war. And Biden's hands are not bloodless either. No, no, they're not. Well, Bernie voted. He acknowledged uh, last night that he voted for authorization uh, for the invasion of Afghanistan. Right. Uh, And then he distinguished that vote from the one, his vote against the invasion of Iraq. Yeah. Uh, A more compelling argument could be made for the invasion of Afghanistan. Uh, I remember the debate, and Barbara Lee was the only one who uh, stood up and voted no. Right. Right. Because she anticipated how it would be yes, used. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and people forget the uh, the fervor in this country in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, the war fervor in this country, and we're still not completely out of it. Uh, here we are 20 years later or so. Well, I think we're pretty much out of it. I mean, um, for one thing, the, the, with the, one of the next victims in Afghanistan killed of our people, soldiers in Afghanistan, won't have been born when that war started. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, but the reason I say we're not out of it, because the question last night, at the, the foreign policy question, which I, I still can't get over, is, you know, if you leave, if you say you want to leave Iraq, I can't remember which person asked it, you say you want to leave Iraq, if we, if we leave Iraq, ISIS will come back. So what do you say to people who are worried about ISIS coming back? I'm like, yeah. No, and, so we're still dealing with th- this issue left over from Bush. Bush raised that issue back in 2002 or three. Go ahead. Right, and I think there's so it, it, this is without really. I'm not going to precisely answer your question, but I'm going to ask us to take a step back. What people don't know enough because of debates like this, where things are framed with little to no history um, and no context. People don't understand the history of the U.S. in the Middle East and containment and how much of these um, these actions in the Middle East in particular have been proxy wars and how the U.S. and Saudi Arabia and, and have about oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. about and about about oil. But it just it's. <sighs> The fact that we have Saudi Arabia as an ally, um, you know, versus Iran, like it just—I think people don't quite fully understand it. So to present it in a debate like this without a lot of context, and again, just to all it's really trying to do is to say I can be as tough on the Middle East, I can be tough on crime, essentially, as a global cop. That's exactly what it is. That's all it is, is I can be tough like the GOP. For some reason, the GOP has now sort of owned the military. I was actually asking a veteran about this a couple of years ago, and, and it just, it's it's this obsession that the Democrats have. It's why they go nuts for anyone who's running who's a veteran, yeah. because they want to be able to show we're good on defense, we're good on national security. Um, but all that they have proven is that they make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. See, and the problem is they can't tell the truth. 
Uh, right. In that, who can't tell the truth? Yeah, our politicians, mm. our candidates. No. You know, because Iran, Iran is at war with us because of what we did back in the fifties. Right. When we the, when we um, deposed a a um, democratically elected leader and installed the Shah of Iran, who set up a police state and was very oppressive. Um, but did what we wanted him to do, what the U.S., the oil companies wanted him to do. And it was not until 79 when they had their revolution. Mm-hmm. And they're still, I mean, they're fighting a war with us. It's a proxy war mainly, and it's, a, it's a, 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 not a hot war, not a cold war, something in between. Mm-hmm. But we're, you know, but they are trying to get rid of us because... We're impacting the way they want to run their country. That is Monroe, Monroe Anderson, Samina Mustafa in the studio as well. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about Handshake Gate. We'll be right back. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. He loves that piano player. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, Samina, before we uh, address the issue of a Handshake Gate, I was negligent. I did not allow you to tell people about your great podcast. Talk about it. Thanks. Um, it's called Hand for the Mic. Just uh, debuted last month. Uh, my most recent guest that I interviewed is a political scientist at political scientists at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, um, Dr. Parushan, we're talking about women of color running for office. Oh. So 
timely, uh, the fact that we had not a single one on stage last night. Uh, but yeah, which is, to me, a real, uh, again, going back to the conversation about support amongst the Democratic base and Pete um, manufacturing black black voters uh, support, yeah. He's still at 0%. I mean, it just, it, here's what's actually even more troubling to me is people knowing that and still having so much enthusiasm for him. And, like, I don't know, like, I'm not close friends with these people, but I know people who are on Team Pete. Like, I know of them. And I'm, I, and my, my sense is just like, you must not, you, you must really resent, you know, the base of the Democratic Party, even though you're a Democrat, because this is, this is the core of this party. And I think you're kind of oblivious if you don't recognize that. Yeah, um, well, so. I, uh, one thing I've known uh, for a long time, having moved to Chicago in 1981, uh, it's as though uh, there's a divide. Black people are on this side, white people are on that side. And it's that's the way it is. Monroe knows what I'm talking about. It's just the way it is. So Mayor Pete's got his supporters, and they don't understand it. Like when Henry Davis comes on the show and talks about the, the utter lack of support that uh, Mayor Pete had in South Bend. They just don't know. What are you talking about, man? Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've been living this our whole life, Monroe. Yeah, you know, but the thing with no, um, no black candidates left except for... Uh, Duvall. Uh, oh, wow. Duvall. I forget. On yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah, there's nobody exactly. on stage, though. Exactly. Nobody on stage. But um, Jonathan Capehart of the Washington Post made an interesting um, observation, I think. And he, he said that the reason Kamala and Corey are gone is because um, black people, black voters, who are the most pragmatic voters in this country, decided that we need an old white man to beat an old white man. That's the way they want to get rid of Trump. And that they think that the best way to get rid of Trump is to have a, another old white man, i.e. Biden, to do it. All right, I'm just saying, I don't want to go down this path, but I just have to give a shout out to our good friend, Sergio Mims, Cape Hearts heading in Sergio country. Sergio said it on this show about three weeks ago that black voters came to the conclusion they really gained a whole heck of a lot from Barack Obama. So that's why they're not going uh, for another black hand. Remember no, Sergio right, said that? exactly. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's Sergio. That's, that's, <laughs> totally yeah, right. threw Sergio yeah, out of the box. That's some of Sergio's cockeyed figures. They love Obama. Okay, well, they, they do. Obama. Okay, all right, right let's, exactly. let's just put that one aside. Right. But when you, I heard you say that I had to give some love to Sergio. Right. All right. Um, I love Sergio. I love too. Sergio, too. Yeah. All right, uh, Samina, got to ask you about Handshake Gate. We've been, I talked about it at the, the start of the show, and that, of course, uh, has to do with uh, the tussle, I guess, um, between uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. My beloved Democrats love to fight each other more than they love to fight Republicans. I guess it's easier to beat a Democrat than to beat a Republican, so they always take the easy way out. But um, well, you know the, how it went down. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has accused uh, Bernie Sanders of saying in a private conversation that um, a woman cannot be elected president. Bernie says he didn't say it. Elizabeth Warren says he did say it. Uh, this, the the you're right. The questioner asked the point 
that question directly at last night's debate and after the debate uh, when Bernie went to shake hands with Elizabeth Warren, she did not extend her hand to shake her hand. So now you talk about Twitter. Even I know that Twitter is a fire with handshake gates. So your thoughts. Yeah. So it's interesting because yesterday there was also something, I, I believe it was in The Intercept, um, where a bunch of progressives who are supporting either Sanders or Warren basically said, we got to come together and we can't take the bait. Uh, and, and what they were basically saying is this is actually the time where if there's oppo or if there's some kind of um, kerfuffle to be had it, to, to happen amongst progressives to split that vote, it's going to happen now. And so we can't go down that path. So my feeling is, is that this is another case of trying to split progressives. And someone's found a, found an issue, whether it was the Warren camp or the Sanders camp, whoever leaked it. Because within 48 hours before that, there was a, a memo that was came uh, came from a, a campaign, uh, a field person, uh, on how to do talking points on the if someone uh, supported one of uh, Sanders' opponents. So that was a huge uh, kerfuffle. And then you had um, this, this story from, from Warren, and CNN was reporting on it. Which, again, I'm just a little suspicious of both of those stories, frankly, because I look at them and I think, okay, ooh, Iowa's coming up. This is, I still think Iowa's going to be significant because it's going to propel whoever wins it to have some momentum. They're going to be the winner of the Iowa caucus. I mean, it's going to get, they're going to get press for it. So maybe two, the way they now have it set up with a 15%. You come up it's with possible. Two yeah, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. possible. But I'm saying like, but, but that's the thing is you, you can't um, dismiss that this only benefits someone like Biden and sitting in the wings, you know, sort of like uh, like Burns from The Simpsons <laughs> is is Donald John Trump is saying, mm, you know, he's not even that smart. But he this is I, I mean, I mean, I hate Simpsons. to be. <laughs> no, I know he's like this. Is, this benefits him because yeah. if progressives are are split. And you have someone like Biden who, frankly, didn't. So you don't you don't um, buy into the fight at all. You don't. I find it. I find it really because I see these hashtags erupt. I I observe Twitter. I don't really participate on Twitter a lot, and so. And, and to me, social media is one of those places. And I and someone said this, actually, an, an organizer said this, said, go, she, and this is a, a young black organizer in Chicago, she said, go to the hood. They have no idea what's happening. If you told them what was happening between Sanders and Warren, they would think you were talking about Game of Thrones. And so it doesn't mean yeah. anything to out, people outside the super engaged, super obsessed political nerds and the social media folks. And so talk talk to the base. What do they care about? Is, is any of this even bubble up? Yeah. And so that is where I think some folks, actually both in the Sanders and Warren camps, are saying, you know what? We just have to keep our heads down and keep talking to our supporters and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. But there are some people who, frankly, will lose their minds <laughs> regardless yeah. of what comes up yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is and they will lose their minds yeah. it's predictable like a couple of weeks ago or a week ago somebody was posting about you know canvassing i'm not going to say the name of the organization canvassing in chicago and they posted a couple of pictures and someone pointed out you know and they're left-leaning and someone pointed out wow that's a really interesting picture for chicago and point out like isn't chicago like 30 percent black and then all these people are like 
are you doing race science or like and this again if people will lose their minds if you sort of poke at them and someone's poking at you yeah. but you you have all you can control is how you respond yeah. uh that's a valid point but Rob, before we close this segment and bring jackie algion who is our next guest is in studio uh did you have any strong reaction to uh handshake gate it's just ooh, and that was it. I mean, it did, it didn't matter to me. She's a little bit upset with him, so she didn't want to shake his hand. He probably said it. I think he's lying. I probably because <laughs> 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 he's an almost eighty year old white man, so he's he's got that whole male privilege thing, yeah. you know. So he probably said it. Um, and now she's mad because she knows he said it. Right. And exactly. It's like he's saying she's a liar, you know. Yeah, but he didn't say it. He was careful enough not to quite say it, but basically that's what he said. And um no big deal. Yeah, I think Samin is absolutely right when most people don't even know what's going on. But uh all right, we got Jackie Algie on. We're gonna bring her on Monroe. Uh, thank you very much. Great uh to see you back. It's and been... one more time tell people about that podcast, Samina. Well, I think Samina's gonna stick around. I'm gonna stick around for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're booting me out. Yeah, yeah. She'll be here. Yeah, but tell them about the podcast yeah, anyway. Hand her, add, yeah. hand, add hand her the mic on Facebook, add hand her mic on Twitter, and on iTunes and the Dumpcast Network. All right, very good. We'll be right back with Jackie Algie. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Jackie Algie has joined us. Jackie Algie has joined us from SEIU Healthcare. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you, Ben. And I know you're here to talk about the Women's March, which is this Saturday. It is. Uh, But before uh, we talk about that, let's pick your brain Mm. on last night's debates. And we were talking about Handshake Gate. Uh, Democrats love to fight each other, Jackie. Mm. This is my opinion because it's easier to fight Democrats than it is to beat <laughs> Republicans. So Democrats look for the easy way out. Always, my beloved Democratic Party is always chicken to take on Republicans, but they love to fight each other. This is me speaking. What's your thoughts about the whole thing? Well, a couple of things that I'm thinking about it. Um, let me first, uh, full disclosure, I didn't see the debate because I was at another event, but, um, you know, uh, to um, my sister's point earlier, um, in our communities, people are not looking at that. They don't. They don't know about it. I don't know that they would particularly care about it, even if they did. No, because that's not going to fix things for them. Them shaking hands is not going to fix one thing for them. And we'll talk later about some of those things. But um, and the reason that we're marching on Saturday, All right. it's not going to fix anything. But what I will say um, and just want to share with you, I was listening to 1390 earlier, which I do often. Mm-hmm. And um, there was an advertisement for that was paid by Donald J. Trump, mm-hmm. Inc., it hit, let me tell you something, I listen to 1390 almost every day. That just came on there today. I thought I was hearing things. I thought, oh, this has got to be a joke. The testimonial that they 
professed or what what they were professing he stood for he's a christian man and he does this keep in mind the audience so he's a christian man i've never heard anything about i think he went to church maybe once uh since he's been in office he went to church the day he was sworn in yeah I'm mm-hmm. not certain that he's been to church since. Not that there's anything wrong well, with that. Well, and that's his thing. Yeah, but, but to portray him as this Christian man, that's a whole different thing. And add to the audience that they were doing that it That is too. correct. So, I, you know, that's what I'd be more concerned about. In other words, what yeah. you're saying is that uh, as we speak, uh, as Democrats fight with each other, mm-hmm. uh, as Elizabeth Warren refuses to shake Bernie's mm-hmm. hand, mm-hmm. as Bernie denies something like Monroe said, he probably said. Yeah, I'm thinking that he might have. He might have said yeah. it, uh-huh. uh, but who knows the context, whatever. Right. Right. As this is happening, Donald John Trump is buying up time on mm-hmm. uh, black radio stations mm-hmm. to get his message out mm-hmm. to black people in the hopes mm-hmm. what? What is he looking to get? Well, I think so. If we go back to this, you know, not shaking hands stuff and this infighting, uh, he said, well, they're kind of distracted. You know, he's a he's a master of distraction. So they're distracted by if they if they are distracted by the handshake or the non handshake. Let me just ease squeeze in there <laughs> and get some attention that says, hey, they're fighting over this. I'm trying to make things better for you. Mm-hmm. Well, we discussed this with Monroe. Get your reaction to this. Um, Every time, I know you know Monroe Anderson. Mm -hmm. uh, Every time uh, Monroe does battle with Republicans, and he does it all the time, uh, he's a big proponent, Monroe is, of impeachment. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time he does battle with Republicans, Republicans come right back. This is what they say, Samina and Jackie. They come back and they say, uh, black employment is up under Donald John Trump, as though there's something proactive that Donald Trump is doing, using his powers in the presidency to help black people. Like he woke up that morning, Jackie, and said, you know what? I really want to help some black guy get a job. All right. What is your response when you hear that argument, that counter argument that one gets all the time, that uh, Donald Trump has been really good to black people? Yeah. Okay. So you what we know is, first of all, he hasn't been good to black people at all. Um, the racist remarks and comments that he's been making since the beginning and made, quite frankly, before he ever thought about running for office, just is a testament as to who he is and what he stands for. He has not done one thing, in, in my opinion, for us, except wake us up, hopefully, to know that he's got to go. And that's, again, another reason that we're marching on Saturday, so we can help get out the vote and get him out. All right, let's talk about uh, the women's marches coming up this Saturday. Okay. Let's transition right here. Go. That's good. And so we've, we're doing something different this time than we've done in the past marches. Mm-hmm. We're not having a program. We're marching, and we're marching to put people in step with a 2020 vision of what they want this, this city, this state, and this country to look like post-November. So, in other words, no, I can remember speakers, you're not going to convert. Not, we don't have place. any speakers. We don't have, what we're going to do is we are gathering, um, the gates open at nine, and we have. Um, Where will this be? Where the gates literally open? I'm sorry. So, the gates will open at Ida B. Wells and Columbus Drive mm-hmm. at nine o'clock. Okay. And people will gather as they have in the past, hopefully thousands of them, and then proceed up to where we normally congregate and have a stage, which is at the corner of Columbus Drive and Jackson mm-hmm. Boulevard. 
And at that point, we'll be getting people in line to step off at 11. That's our goal, to step off at 11. In the past, we've always had a section in front of the stage specifically for people with disability. Mm -hmm. Since we don't, we're not having a program, they are going to be our, our lead marshals, mm -hmm. if you would, for the, for the uh, uh, march, along with our elected officials, which Women's March Chicago really helps to take credit for getting so many of these women, especially women of color, in office in these last couple of years. And so they're going to lead. We've got Mayor uh, Lightfoot. We've got uh, President Preckwinkle. We've got Kim Fox. We've got Lieutenant Governor uh, Stratton Eccles. We've got um, uh, Senator Lightfoot. For, uh, we've got um, who else? Congressman Schakowsky, our, our, one of our super friends and, and uh, heroes, sheroes, I should say. Uh, we've got uh, Congresswoman Kelly. Um, we've got, um, yeah, so all, all the t more than I can think of to name. And, yeah. uh, and so then, then the march will continue and then it'll disperse. So no, it will uh, disperse. But what is going to be really unique about this march mm -hmm. is we're going to have a gallery of issues. So there are uh, approximately five blocks between that starting point and the federal plaza. Each block will address an issue, starting with 2020 census, which we know if we don't get the census done, man, we, I'm telling you, <laughs> millions of dollars we've lost as a result of not having an accurate count in 2010. We, we aim to change that this time around. Uh, and then the next block will be gun violence prevention. We've got kids off the block and some other, uh, the Brady campaign, just some other amazing people that are doing work. And each block will have people that are doing this work every day to make a change. Then the following block will be climate justice. And we know that that's really important. And we got some young people coming out that's going to be that are doing work on climate mm -hmm. that are really amazing, and they, their their voices will be heard, okay, uh, and their presence seen. And then we're going to do health care, and our other guests will talk more about that. And then finally, getting out the vote. And this will be going on not just Chicago, but there'll be marches throughout the country. There are marches throughout the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Samina, does this excite you? Do you think this could yeah. be a, a potential turning point of sorts of getting the Democrats to focus? Yeah, I mean, the census stake? alone, think about it. We're not only dollars, but we're going to lose a, probably a seat, a congressional right. seat yeah. in this next right. cycle. I mean, point. so yeah. this is uh, this is one of those things where it's incredibly important. One of the groups that I'm on the uh, I'm on the board of Asian Americans Advancing Justice is mm -hmm. part of right. um, a lot of these democracy reform organizations and has also gotten funding up for this this right. purpose. And when you've got folks, especially folks who are, um, you know, have, uh, are not, English is not their native language, making sure there are people to reach out to those folks, especially in light of the immigration enforcement mm -hmm. that we, mm -hmm. environment we have. Mm -hmm. This is like a scary time for folks. That's mm -hmm. why that census question, um, that immigration, that uh, citizenship question on the census was such a big deal. So mm -hmm. it's, right. this is really critical stuff. Well, the, uh, the point that uh, Jackie didn't hear Samina made this pretty forcefully uh, when we started our conversation about last night's debate. Mm -hmm. Absent from the debate really last night were a discussion of issues mm -hmm. that would uh, rile up Democrats, would mm -hmm. fire up Democrats, mm -hmm. the whole focus of the debate. Uh, Samina, I'm stealing Samina's point, mm -hmm. but uh, the whole focus of the debate was really like challenging uh, uh, Democrats with talking points from the Republicans. 
Mm-hmm. You go and say, well, what's your response to mm-hmm. you know X Y Z, and you know how this issue may not uh, win over a. Uh, uh, Republican swing voters or swing voters who may go Democrat in Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, and Samina's point was there are issues that the Democrats could advocate and champion mm-hmm. that would get Democratic voters yeah. to the polls. It seems like Democrats, they just, they run away from their issues, Jackie, mm-hmm. and they always are trying to flick, well, how can I win over this Republican as opposed to championing something that would get a Democrat to come to mm-hmm. the poll? What's your response to that? My response is they, they definitely need to talk real issue, real talk. That's what, they, that's what people want to hear, need to hear, and that's what's going to get people to the polls. All of this other stuff, um, you know, and, and again, those are just five issues, but there are so many more that we need to address immigration. We can talk about that forever and how it impacts not just uh, our Latino um, brothers and sisters, but brothers and sisters from all the diaspora who are not being considered as, as being threatened, but they are. And so we need to be having those real talk conversations so that people will, first of all, get energized and interested because right now I'm hearing people that's so apathetic out there. I can't tell you, Ben. People are like, oh yeah, what? I'm, you know, we're used to the why am I gonna vote? It's not gonna my vote's not gonna make a difference. It's even beyond that now. It's like why am I vote? Period. I mean, and this is from people who normally vote, but they don't feel the the earth. It's people I'm hearing say I don't have a clue as to who I want to vote for. By now, someone should have surfaced for them. Mm. And I'm, I'm a proponent of issues and um, issue-based campaigns, and I think that if people really would focus on some, I'm not saying that they have to do the five we're doing on Saturday, mm-hmm. but they definitely should look at those five and others that would help to uh, mobilize people. All right, before uh, we take a break and bring on our mystery guest mm-hmm. uh, who's sitting in the wings, we let Samina go. I'm going to put Samina on the spot a little bit. Uh, every I do my uh, five, my top five. Uh, I rank them uh, where I'm at, and I'm uh, been my number one, two have been pretty steady uh, since the start of the campaign. Just your general thoughts. What are who are the five candidates that you or you cannot even get? I five. can't. I can't get to five. <laughs> I can't get to find something. You can just cut the music, Dennis, because there's not going to be a countdown. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you no. get to three? Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, I, I can get to three. All right, I can here get we to go. Three. Okay, yeah, and, they're in, they are not in, in order. order. Okay. Okay. Just naming three. That is naming okay. three. So Sanders, Warren, and Steyer. Steyer. Mm. Whoa. Where did, mm. Whoa. Why well, so, Steyer? Uh, okay, because you're, I mean, if you're talking about who was on stage yesterday. Yes. Okay, so, like, that's where I'm I'm sticking to the people who are on stage. Um, so, Steyer is a billionaire. It's, it's a problem. Like, he is spending, what, he's spent, what, $100 million so mm-hmm. far? But when he, you know, every now and again, he says something that makes <laughs> sense. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead, tax me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm like. I agree with Tom Steyer okay, on that. It's about so like point. so he does and and the fact that he he knows that, you know, campaign finance reform is an issue, climate is an issue. He is he where he loses me 
absolutely is the fact that one, he's a billionaire, he's trying to buy the election, and two, the fact that he is not a supporter of Medicare for all, which is mm-hmm. one of my big issues. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but if you're if you're forcing me to come up with a couple of all names, right. I mean, think about it. There's only six people on stage. Yeah. I, like, there's okay. I'm I'm definitely not on on Team Joe or Pete or Amy. So that's those those folks are out. Mm. Um, I think um, of those those three, actually, I feel like Pete is probably the least. Um, it, to me, is would rank at the very bottom. All right, now uh, years ago, people may not know this. Uh, Samina was a stand-up comic, so uh, <laughs> another stand-up comic made the news yesterday. Uh, Dave Chappelle oh uh, endorsed Yang, yeah. and I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did that motivate you in any way? To, it, no, okay. no, that's that's so. I know uh, there's there's members of the Yang gang. They might be in this room actually, <laughs> um, um, but I am I I have. So I feel like it's exciting that someone who is Asian American is has gotten this far and is still in the race and is getting support. But I don't agree with him policy wise. Mm -hmm. I find him problematic on a couple of different areas, one of which is the fact that he engages in tropes about Asian Americans and our model minority standards or whatever. I just I feel like it's it's something he should really be educated on more. And he's not. Dave Chappelle is a classic example of somebody, um, and again, this is, comes from my comedy world, where, um, you know, and I think Sinbad actually was on a podcast. This is a deep cut. This is a deep cut. He was on a podcast with Pete Holmes, who's also a comic, and he basically said, like, there's this evolution that happens with comics where, like, they kind of have a certain kind of politics when they're open micers and they're, they're sort of grinding and trying to become famous, and then they sort of lose that whole perspective mm-hmm. once they... Get Dave Chappelle money, mm-hmm. and so um, it, Dave Chappelle is not the same Dave Chappelle that walked away from everything. Uh, can I just say something in defense of Dave Chappelle? Oh. I, I know we were gonna. I didn't know. I know you want to talk about Tulsi for a moment. I'll let you get the Tulsi remark in. But Dennis and I the other day were listening to a Dave Chappelle routine. I admit, I, I'm a big fan of Dave Chappelle from 2004. Was it? And it was about Michael Jackson. Mm. And I was listening to that, and I just saw his last two Netflix shows. Samina, I'm telling you, Dave Chappelle of 2004 is pretty much Dave Chappelle of 2020 or 19. Mm. Uh, The world has changed. Mm. David Chappelle is David Chappelle. Um, You know what? Um, He he was on, uh, on, he was hosting Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. He was the first host immediately following the 2016 election. That is correct. And if I don't know if you remember his monologue. I do remember his monologue. At the very end, he says, um, you know, I'm going to give Donald Trump a chance, and but I want him to give us a chance, too. And I was like, okay, Dave, with your million. That's <laughs> yeah, a valid point. I mean, again, I, it, uh, this is, I am not. Uh, and I know um, there's another really famous comic and and a musician. Is it is it Donald Glover? Am I thinking? Am I? Th- I'm looking at the I'm looking at the millennial, millennial. childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Didn't he okay. uh, he endorsed him too? So I'm just like I wait wait what what who who did Donald, Donald Glover, Glover? Yeah, he endorsed really? uh, Yang. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going yeah, yeah, he did. I thought she was saying I, I Trump Donald too. Trump. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what? No, 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 no. yeah, 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 yeah. He endorsed yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, like, look, I, we, that's a whole episode we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, we should have you come on talk the, about comedy. Women in comedy, men, like, don't even get me started. I, it, I have experienced all of it. I've experienced, I've literally been in a, at an open mic where somebody, 
uh, makes a rape joke and thinks it's hilarious yeah. and other guys yeah. don't say anything and you me meaning me has to be the one to say you're not coming back to this open mic so mm-hmm. i mean like it's a, it's a subculture that most people aren't exposed to, so that's a, a separate conversation. Can we can we change subjects yeah, now? Go can ahead. We? <laughs> we did the thing. Now I did my thing. Now do your thing. So uh, you know, every time we come in here, I, I love to talk about Dulcie Gabbard. Um, this is somewhat related to her. So um, for those folks who pay attention to uh, what's happening outside of Chicago and America. Uh, we, we have a fascist in India. We have the Donald Trump of India, Narendra mm-hmm. Modi. And what he's doing is a couple of things that are actually really similar to what Trump has done. He's um, essentially instituted, he's actually passed a law with the assistance of the parliament that's controlled by his party, the BJP, um, essentially a Muslim ban. It's called the Citizenship Amendment Act. He's also talking about a a registry that would essentially be like a a Muslim registry. Um, There's been um, essentially mob violence and... uh, uh, violence against protesters because people are protesting the Citizenship Amendment Act, called the CAA um, for short. And so, but for years, ever since Modi got into power, um, Muslims and people of lower caste, they're called Dalits, have been attacked by mobs. Um, They've been lynched. I mean, someone who's suspected of, of having uh, beef or, or some some rumors created about them, not unlike what mm-hmm. happened in this country not too long ago, they're being uh, snatched up and, and killed by mobs. So this violence has been going on for a long time. That is one of the reasons why so many folks have been, had an issue with Dulcie Gabbard because she was fundraising from his supporters mm-hmm. here in the US. Mm-hmm. There is a complete network of folks <coughs> that have supported candidates like Dulcie Gabbard. The other candidate they support a lot is our Schaumburg's very own Raja Krishnamurthy. So um, on Sunday, we are going to be doing a protest on Devon Avenue to call attention to that and call out um, him and the supporters, the the U.S.-based supporters of this violence. Um, And you have literally had hundreds of millions of people protesting in India over the last couple of weeks. I think the average American just has no idea. 250 million people in the streets. That's almost the entire population of the U.S., on the streets in India, and nobody knows about it. So that's my little... Okay, and what time? So that's going to be noon on Devon. Um, there's a, a, a Facebook invite for it. Um, it. We're being a little hush-hush on the um, the information because we don't want... We're anticipating counter-protesters. I see. There was an event last year where actually um, protesters were attacked physically, and they were called dirty Muslims. So, and Raja Krishnamurthy went to that event. It was at the in Lombard, Illinois, at the, called the World Hindu Congress, and he went to this event and has yet to apologize for essentially mm. what were hate, hate crimes. Mm. So this is like real, you know, all jokes aside, this no, is real this is stuff. This is real stuff. Maybe we should mm-hmm. bring Raja on sometime with you and mm-hmm. have a, a real discussion about mm-hmm. this. We're gonna. Um, um, I've I'm, I've written an op-ed with a veteran and a Vil- Oak Park Village trustee, Arthur Walker Pethicol, that's gonna come out in Common Dreams in the next day or so, talking exactly about this, how these folks have actually infiltrated U.S. politics, and they're actually very Trump-leaning, and they're starting to get the vote out for Trump. So Mm -hmm. if you have areas like New Jersey, any places where there's a large Indian diaspora, Mm -hmm. they're trying to get the vote out for Trump. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. it will affect our politics. 
All right, very good. Samina, thank you. You're going to have a busy weekend between the Women's March and that. You're going to be uh, out mm-hmm. in the streets. Samina Mustafa, she comes on our show regularly. Uh, she is uh, the host of her own podcast, Hand Her the Mic. Thank you so much. We're going to take mm-hmm. a real brief break. Come right back with our mystery guest. Jackie's going to introduce our mystery guest when we return. And this budget makes key reforms to Chicago's tax increment finance program, or what many people refer to as TIF. This year's additional surplus to the city is $31.4 million. But more than that, my team is undertaking a detailed review to reform TIF and align it more closely with our economic development needs and our values, accountability, and transparency. The days of the TIF slush fund are over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right, we're uh, almost done with today's show. It's been a, a great show. Monroe Anderson, Samina Mustafa, Jackie Algy still uh, in the studio from SEIU Healthcare. Uh, Jackie, you have a mystery guest that you want to uh, introduce. She's been very uh, uh, patient sitting through our discussion. She's got something to say, so why don't you introduce our mystery guest? I am really honored and privileged to introduce Ikea Johnson. She is a leader. Uh, she works at um, Roseland Hospital, but she, she's not only a leader uh, as far as the union is concerned, but she's a leader at that hospital and the um, the incredible work that she does every day in the hats, the many hats she wears. No one can tell her story any better, any better than Ikea. All right, Ikea, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and so what's your job at Roseland? Well, I'm the lead medical assistant in the emergency room. I do pretty much almost everything. So you're the person in the emergency room, like someone comes in and are you the first person that meets the patient when they come in? Yes. Usually I am, I do a lot of hands-on care. So when a patient comes in, I'm usually the person that puts them on a heart monitor. I draw their blood. I do AccuChecks. If the patient needs to be cleaned, I will clean the patient. I also part-time secretary. I be a phlebotomist. I watch psych patients occasionally. I wear a few hats there. And so is there a specific training that you have to go through, or is it just... Uh, to handle all these different kind of situations, all these different kind of ailments and patients, or is it just learning on the job? Well, it's mostly learning on the job. I did go to school. I do have a, um, associates and medical assistant, but the work that I do is nothing like school at all. Talk about that. What's the difference, like the real job as opposed to what they teach you in school? So usually a medical assistant will work in a doctor's office and will do more clerk work, like answer the phones, make appointments, do injections like birth control and do urine analysis and stuff there. I do way more than I usually would in a smaller setting. We have 19 beds, so on a daily, I'm, and that's not even including if a hospital going bypass or with Metro South closing, the high patient volume that we have now. We have mm-hmm. patients in the hallways on beds. We have ambulances standing in line just to try to get a room. It's it's really different. In other words, you're telling me there's a, a shortage of beds and health care uh, uh, south of the loop in the city of Chicago. Definitely, definitely. And we're really understaffed, so it's a challenge every day going into work, having maybe 
two or three nurses. I will be there and maybe another medical assistant. And if we have psych patients, that medical assistant, I have to watch the psych patients. So now there's no one to help the nurses with the patients on the floor but me. And I still have to focus on trying to do orders and help the doctor. And it's it's pretty exhausting some days. So, Jackie, how does this connect to some of the issues that are being raised at the Women's March? So, uh, again, one of the blocks that uh, the issues will cover is health care. And what we know from uh, her story, as well as countless numbers of stories of members and workers who work um, in hospitals, especially in the black and brown communities, the south and west sides, that are uh, short-staffed. They certainly don't get paid enough. And this, you know, obviously impacts the quality of service that uh, patients are getting, right? And so on Saturday, at that block, the healthcare block, we want to raise the fact that healthcare should not be a disparity anywhere in this city, that it should be equal, that we should not have to have people um, having more longevity of life because they have quality health care and access to it on the north side and other parts of the city and don't have it in the, on the south side and the west side. Not to mention that so many of those workers are black and brown and women, majority of them are women who they work two and three jobs, they work or they work extended hours because of the short staff in in their hospital settings. And they don't make enough money to take care of themselves and their families in a lot of cases, but as well to be able to afford health care for themselves. She can talk a little bit talk about, about that. Talk about that. Yeah, I've our hospital offers health insurance through the hospital. I make $14.50 an hour. There's no way I have enough money to be able to afford health insurance. Although they pay 70%, with that 70%, I have coworkers still paying two, $300 an hour. I make enough where I can get government assistance. I have Medicare. I don't even have like Blue Cross Blue Shield or PPOs or HMOs where I could choose where I want to go. I just have to go to the nearest doctor that will take the insurance that I have. And that's not many now in the city of Chicago. A lot of organizations are becoming for-profit and not take, and taking more private insurance than public aid. So let me make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Uh, so you make $14.50 an hour and uh, you pay uh, 30% of your uh, insurance bill every month, comes out of your check or every two weeks or wherever mm-hmm. that you get it. Uh, and uh, that still does not cover your basic health needs. No, it still does not cover at all. Right so, now we're actually in bargaining. So we're trying to get our hospital to give us 100% coverage for our health care. We'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh the way you said it. We'll see how that goes. I could just see the, I've sat at negotiations, and uh, you, know. you know, I know the other mm-hmm. side looks at mm-hmm. you like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. right. Uh, but it's got to be one or the other, Ikea. They're paying you $14.50 an hour. So I was like, all right, look, 
if you insist on making me pay the 30% of the health care, mm-hmm. all right, $30 an hour. How about that? How about me as a negotiator? Uh, it would be amazing <laughs> if I could make $30 an hour, especially with all of the positions that I fill for one person. All right. You know. Now, excuse my ignorance on this, but it's a hospital. They got plenty of doctors. Like, why don't they just give you 100%? I don't understand it. It's it like saying no uh, you work at a grocery store, but you can't eat any of mm-hmm. the yogurt. That's right. You know what I mean? There's That's tons right. of yogurt over there. That's right. Mm-hmm. What am I missing here, Ikea? Well, the biggest thing they every they say they ha- they don't have money. They don't have enough money to help the workers. They don't have enough money to give us raises. They don't have enough money to help us with our insurance. But you have enough money to try to build another building across the street or to do renovations in a hospital. Like now, we're working on a patient processing area which I kind of feel is a little bit of a waste of, well, money can be distributed in a better way, I would say, mm-hmm. instead of spending a million dollars on making a room for a patient where we don't have enough nurses or techs to even staff, mm-hmm. instead of giving the nurses bonus pay or giving myself a medical assistant bonus pay or a CNA, someone else to um, help them or even bringing in temps, uh, giving us a raise. I would definitely love a raise. It'd make it a little easier to get up in the morning to come deal with this workload knowing that I would be at least somewhat compensated mm-hmm. outside of the love for working for my patients. But it's tough. Like living by myself, I, it's hard to pay my rent, my utilities, get back and forth to work, pay for insurance, and still have money to live with. Mm-hmm. How many hours a week do you work? Um, normally, it, well, technically it's supposed to be 80 hours. I work maybe about 140-something hours every pay period. That also, that's all overtime. Mm-hmm. Do they pay you extra for the overtime? Depends on the pay period. So one pay period, which is a few days longer, you might get it after 100 hours. Mm -hmm. And then one pay period, you might not, and you just get straight pay across the board. How how is that? I mean, if you want- That's why they're in negotiations right now. Uh, That doesn't make any sense at all. But then I gotta read the specifics of the the language of the contract. Mm -hmm. They're getting away with something that the contract allows them to get away with. Mm -hmm. You either get overtime or you don't get overtime. this, in my humble opinion, IKEA, is why the insanity of our healthcare system this sort of illustrates it. Follow me where I'm going. You guys work in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I said, there's tons of healthcare at the hospital. That's so, right. you know, uh, and so much money. This is the one thing that Bernie uh, and Elizabeth Warren agree with. So much money is spent on healthcare mm-hmm. in our country. And so here are the people literally on the front line. You're the one that greets somebody when they come to the emergency room. I just was in the emergency room. Uh, I won't go into it, but it was your equivalent at this mm-hmm. hospital. And this person had to answer questions because there was no mm-hmm. doctor around. Mm-hmm. So we were asking your equivalent at this hospital, like, well, what do you think of that? Da, 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 da. Right. And they get all that ner- nerve. I'm sure they train you. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them anything because mm-hmm. then they'll hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. But out of compassion, sure. 
the woman that was was telling us information mm -hmm. and you know what a lot of like 90 percent of it came true this mm -hmm. is a, a woman who probably had no medical school training mm -hmm. to follow mm -hmm. what i'm saying mm -hmm. uh, but there's 14 50 dollars is just ridiculous it is yeah. it is it's absolutely and, and so that you know now that speaks to the women and others that will be out there on saturday so many of them don't have this as an issue in their lives. So many of them don't even, they're not even aware that there are, are Ikeas out here who are doing this work every day to help take care of patients and people. Uh, one, because, and she said it herself, because she cares. But secondly, because she needs to have a job to take care of herself. I mean, what do we teach our young people about this society that we is supposed to be just? You go to school, you get out, you you work so you can uh, you know earn a, diff, a decent uh, wage so you can take care of yourself and be a responsible citizen. How are you going to do that off of $14.50 an hour? So we want people on Saturday to know about the Ikeas of the world, yeah. that they're out here, and if you want to do anything, women, uh, in this city, to help make change and make a difference, come and stand behind and stand with them to demand that they have a better opportunity for not only their workplace, but their work life as well. Well, I hope uh, the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren uh, factions in Handshake Gate, we were talking about this Ikea, the feud that erupted last night between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I hope they're listening because there are issues that are greater uh, than whether Bernie insulted Elizabeth or Elizabeth insulted Bernie. You gotta put that pettiness aside because there are greater issues than your pet peeves. At the, that's, I know it's easy for me to say, I was not the one insulted, et cetera, and so forth, Ikea, but I do believe there are greater issues yeah. uh, that this country is facing mm -hmm. than whether Bernie insulted Elizabeth right. or Elizabeth insulted Bernie. That's right, and that is what the people care about. Mm -hmm. So they need, if I would say anything to any of them, is you need to listen, you need to pay attention to what everyday people are saying out here and what everyday people need you to do to help fix this country of ours, right? Mm -hmm. And not just lip service. We need you to listen, pay attention, and really commit to making a change. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jackie and Akia. Thank you for coming on thank the show. You, thank you, Ben. We appreciate you having us. And uh, <laughs> we'll bring you back. I'm sure this campaign, when do you hope to uh, cut the deal on this? Well, we just started, so we have a long fight ahead of us. So I'm hoping within the next couple of months or so, hopefully we don't have to strike. Uh, I hope so, too. And I'm going to But you, you know we will. <laughs> Jackie's. Oh, you threw down the threat. I'm just going to tell you, get used to this word. No. N-O. You're going to hear a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of no. Oh, no. What, are you kidding me? No. I've been on the... I've been in negotiations for a while. All right, I want to thank uh, Ikea Johnson, uh, Jackie Algy. I want to thank Samina Mustafa. It's been a busy day. Monroe Anderson, uh, Miles Porter, and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Ikea Johnson can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash, Dr. D. See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> No one calls me that. All right. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, 
You know, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join us. And if you're brave, join the YouTube live stream chat. Who knows what you'll find on that one. We'll see you tomorrow.